welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nittany Blues podcast, where we talk Penn State football, basketball, and all things Nittany Lion athletics. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope that you're all having a nice week out there and that you're not all lamenting the loss of your favorite football team again, like Vince and I are with the Philadelphia Eagles earlier this week. But if anything, they put us out of our misery. So we're going to, you know, turn the page, move on to bigger and better things. And on that note, we got a lot to talk about. Some really cool stuff with the Nittany Lions from this past week to share with you all. Some updates from the transfer portal with football. We've got wrestling updates. We've got basketball updates and a whole lot more. So settle in. Hope that, you know, you're excited to hear about some of the latest updates. But Vince, how are you doing, my friend? Good to see you. Doing a little better now. The Eagles loss did hurt slightly worse because I had become so numb at that point that I just knew they're going to get blown out. So that made it hurt slightly worse. But you know what made me feel better, Andrew? Penn State basketball and Coach Rose, man. We've been complaining. If you're a Nittany Lion fan, we've been complaining about Coach Franklin, that he can't beat Ohio State, that he can't beat Michigan, that he can't beat number 11, Ole Miss. What does Coach Rhodes do within his first year of being the Penn State basketball coach? He beats Ohio State, he beats Michigan, and he beats number 11, Wisconsin at home. Students got him free, so there were a lot of students there. And Penn State played their best game. And Andrew, what did I tell you after the Northwestern game? That they just need to shoot somewhere in the area of like mid-30% from three. Exactly. So I said that even though they lost, that was the best they had looked as a team and as a unit. And the, the biggest reason why they lost that game was just the inability to shoot behind the line. But lo and behold, we look at the stats here. 40% from three. Oh, yeah. That's that, is, stuff. that is a number that you just saw from last year's team oftentimes when when they were getting hot so it was really great to see that zach hicks hit a couple nice threes ace baldwin jr he was starting to look like the a10 player of the year man like if you were to not tell me who the the a10 player of the year was heading into penn state this basketball season i would have said kanye clary right he's been putting up 20 points a game and Ace definitely looked like the the defensive player of the year all year long. He's a a menace on defense. He had uh, eight steals. Purdue, he had a big game. And man, tonight he showed up four of five from three. He was hot. He was feeling it. 20 points. Absolutely outstanding performance from him. Kanye Clary, very close to his career high with 27, 11, and 20 from the field. So they just really led the way for this Penn State team. Huge shout out to Demetrius Lilly. Meech was coming off the bench and he was in foul trouble. And Demetrius Lilly played pretty good and, and held his own. There was a, a span where Penn State was up three or five points and you saw Q going to the bench thinking, oh no. And Demetrius Lilly, our backup center, played really well. That's the best I've seen him play all year. He got a little bit 
involved on the offensive end too, six rebounds. So definitely the best game I've seen him play in the blue and white. And, you know, that's really exciting. So great team win, great environment in the BJC. Coach Rhodes' first victory over a ranked opponent, Court Storm, after kind of a snowy, stormy day that canceled classes because of the weather. So great experience, man. Were you, were you catching it on the TV? Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to watch as much of it on TV and also on uh, social. So on Twitter, I was uh, kind of keeping up with the score and watching some of the highlights and stuff like that. So yeah, just all around a great win. You know, it, it's funny, you know, Ace Baldwin after the game said, we need student support here every night. And somebody that I follow made the comment that Penn State should just let students in for free for every game. And quite frankly, I don't think they're wrong. You know, (laughs) like you got to you got to drum up that atmosphere, especially against a tough nosed Big Ten opponent. And if student support is the way that you're going to do it. And it's like, how much money are you losing really by letting students in for free for like some of these biggest matchups and stuff like that? So I'm I'm on board with that, especially if they made the difference that it seemed like they did with the atmosphere. So my question for you is, were you part of the court storm? Were you there on the on the hardwood? <laughs> I decided to not be part of the court storm. I decided to catch some footage of it for the podcast. So maybe next time, if if they beat a ranked opponent, I'll, I'll storm the court because that's actually something I haven't done yet. Like I stormed Beaver Stadium when we upset Ohio State in the block six. So I, I've I've been there, but I actually haven't been on you know the the court in the BJC yet. So yeah. I should have just done that because it was on my to do list. But, you know, I'm sure there will be more court stormings in the future. Penn State seems to have one big win over a a ranked opponent every year. It doesn't matter how bad they are. It just seems to happen. And honestly, like, I'm really surprised that there's not more Penn State students there in general, despite, like, free admission. They weren't expensive. Like, I remember in the Pat Chambers era, it was, like, $34, which comes out to, like, two bucks a ticket. And they gave you, like, free chicken strip baskets back then. So maybe they need to bring back free chicken strip baskets for the students and that, that'll get them to turn up. Yeah, maybe. But either way, just cool cool to see this happen, you know, after especially a couple of tough losses, like the one to Michigan State. And I mean, obviously, they kind of rebounded pretty well against Michigan at the Palestra, but then got, you know, kind of like held at arm's length against Purdue. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we always knew that the season was going to be rocky for Penn State basketball just because of the guys that were leaving, the the turnover, the coaching staff and stuff like that. So even though we kind of expected there to be lows, it's, it's really nice to know that there are some highs that we can look back on the season fondly with as well. Yeah. And if I'm a, if I'm a guy on that Penn State basketball team after the Northwestern game, even though you lose, I, I'm still feeling pretty good about myself because your team's not going to shoot like 15% from three every single night. Like if, if that's the case where you're shooting 15% from three every single night, like that means that, you know, the coaches did a poor job recruiting athletes. If that's happening every single night, like you got to have some shooters on your roster, especially at, at this level of basketball. So, you know, that's not going to happen. So I felt pretty good. And then against Purdue, it wasn't like, you know, Michigan State, where Michigan State was 0-3 in Big Ten play, and then they got their doors blown off and lost by 30. Like, that was a terrible performance. Against Purdue, they put up 78 points. Yeah, Purdue put up 95, but that was the number one ranked team in the country. They got 7-5 Zach Eady, who's one of the best players in college basketball, and that 
when you're a team that really struggles on the board as it is, and then you have to go against a guy who's seven four or seven five, that's just it has good post moves too. But that it's just it, it it's hard to do hard to guard that guy. Not many teams do it well. So you know, I'm feeling okay with that performance. Like that's just one of the team. Like Penn State's not going to be a Final Four team this year. That that is what it is. But what I would like to see them do is kind of ride this this high, continue playing at this level, and see if we can be one of those teams that hey gets hot at the right time. If they can manage to get their way close to that 20 win mark, maybe we'll see them in the NCAA tournament again. Now, do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. I, I do think that really. Anything above 14 wins is is a win in, in my book because Michael Shrewsbury first year, he had 14 wins. So I, I think if we, I think they have a good possibility to maybe be like 18 and 13, just kind of looking at the schedule and, you know, kind of the strength of the Big Ten. But when you see a good performance against a team like Northwestern, who at one point been ranked, you beat number 11, Wisconsin, it shows these guys that these games are winnable. And if they can get hot, they can finish this regular season looking good. And maybe one of, one of those teams that's on the bubble trying to get into the NCAA tournament. Well, there you go. And if they get maybe another one of these high-profile ranked wins, maybe you'll get your chance to storm the court after all. <laughs> Again! <laughs> so you mentioned Ace. Any other notable performances that you'd like to shout out from this one? Yeah, Kanye, big game like always, just offensively did great. Nick Kern, he's a guy who's played really well. Really good defensive player and offensively does what he does well. He's a guy who's going to drive to the basket. He's a slasher. So if you find him cutting, you get him the ball and he's athletic and long and he can finish around the rim. So those are his strengths on offense. And he does a really good job just playing his role. Like you don't see Nick Kern pulling up and trying to shoot threes. Like his three point percentage is not very good. You know, the stroke. I don't like the stroke, but the, the good thing is he knows what he's good at and he sticks to it, right? So he's a very intelligent basketball player, great defensive player, great length, great athleticism. Offensively, he's he's kind of like you're having Mahaffey. Like he's going to get like some cool dunks and nice finishes around the rim. And he's a, a smart player who plays to his strengths and really does a good job helping the team. Why do you think he has really kind of exploded onto the scene for the Penn State basketball team this year? Because last year, it didn't really seem like he was that super high profile, at least in relative to other members of the team. And now, granted, there were some really good guys on the team last year. But what do you think has been the biggest difference between this year and last year? Well, it's tough to say for Nick Kern, just because last year I was was not Oh, sorry. Watching. I meant for Kanye. Oh, for Kanye. Yeah, I was really impressed like when he was dropping 20 points against these smaller non-conference opponents i was like okay he's gonna do that he's he's a good basketball player but then when we got to big 10 play i was like okay he's 5'11 he's gonna really struggle struggle with the length of these 6'4 6'5 guards who are defending him you know similar quickness but he's just very like shifty kind of like a guy like darren sproles was kind of hard to tackle just the ability to change direction that quickly and create some space. And he does, he does some others, some fadeaway, you know, kind of floaters away from the basket. And he has to contort his body oddly sometimes just to create enough separation due to his lack of size, but he is still able to finish at the rim at a high level. And I know from, you know, insider 
information that this guy is a, a basketball junkie. Like he's always studying film and things like that matter. And you know, the character straight traits and hard work, those things usually pay off in the, in athletics. So we know that. So that's something. And I, I think his, he's improved his shooting as well. I think he's, I'd have to check out his three point percentage, but I do think his three point shooting has improved significantly from last year. So I think he's more of a threat from there. And when you're a good three point shooter, that means that the other team has to respect your shot. They have to guard you more tightly. They might be closing out a little harder and be coming in a little more off balance. And that gives you opportunities to drive to the rim more, which is his strength in the first place. So those are, the things I think have helped Kanye improve in year two. And and even my bat, my dad, who's been a basketball coach for a long time, when Kanye was only getting like a couple minutes when Penn state was up by 20 early in the season, my dad said that guy's going to be really good. So my dad's been around basketball for a long time. So I should have known he, he knew what he was talking about. Now I did. I expect this. No, but very happy to see it. Good stuff. So before we turn the page to, women's basketball because we've got a lot of updates there any any final thoughts on this big win over number 11 wisconsin i think it's great i think it just shows that penn state is is a night team across all of their sports like yeah you look at football all of their best games are night games and you look at you know basketball now their their best game is 9 9 p.m tip off so <laughs> It doesn't get any later than that. We don't get many of those. We get maybe one per year. So really good. I'm I'm glad that the game I had to stay up late for and watch or had the opportunity to watch. I'm I'm glad that was a, a big win where Penn State was able to come out victorious. Yeah, good stuff. Definitely turned out well. I guess uh Mike Rhodes is gonna have to petition to to craft to get more night games for Penn State. I don't know what those negotiations look like with uh, the Big Ten Network or what the case may be, but definitely worth the conversation. So, yeah. And other uh, other exciting news before we get to the women's team. Really exciting news. Penn State's going to be playing Ohio State Saturday. And ironically, playing Ohio State, it's a big noon tip off. So, as is tradition with Ohio State. So, big noon tip off they have a chance to sweep the Buckeyes which I think would be awesome like for for Rhodes to come in first time I heard him speak was wing fast right and they asked him the one team he wanted to beat and he says my in my family we don't wear red I want to be Ohio State so if he can go in there beat Ohio State twice get some revenge for Evan Mahaffey transferring out there like I'm gonna be extremely stoked very good yeah when is that that is Saturday at noon Good stuff. Yeah. Are we sure that it's not a big noon kickoff? Like just big some noon. variation of that? Yeah. Big noon tip off. <laughs> yeah. There we go. All right. Awesome. So women's basketball, we've got a couple things here. Number one talking item here is big number 1000. So with the program's most recent victory over Rutgers program officially secured 1000 wins in its program history. So Shout out Lady Lions. Uh, that's a that's a big deal. And yeah. uh, Coach Krieger, congrats to you. It seems like uh, you know, there there are some real bright spots to celebrate on that team, especially with the arrival of Ashley Owusu, who had a really, really good game against Rutgers. This was her first game of the season. She had missed a, you know, the first portion of the season due to 
undisclosed medical reasons, but uh, she came on to, or, you know, she played in this game against Rutgers. And even though she's only played one game, she's already the, already the team's leading scorer uh, statistics wise. <laughs> so you got that. She's a, you know, highly experienced player, formerly from Maryland and Virginia Tech. So yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's been, it's been some close calls for the Lady Lions this season, uh, coming up short against some top ranked opponents like, uh, that, you know, very, very close loss to what was it? Number eight USC at the time, but still some cool things going on with that program. Yeah. And this is the the year that they're finally hitting their stride and a little side beer, sidebar here out of the coach's corner at the field. I think she has the best burger, the, the juicy Lucy. That's like, like a bacon cheeseburger on like a pretzel bun. I think it has like a spicy aioli. So I've, I've always been excited for her team to be good. And oh, I think the, the bacon is like candied bacon on it too. So it's re- really good burger. We'll Man, have to get there. Hungry. Yeah, we're going to have to get there quick before they close. I think they're at some point in the near future doing renovations to the hotel and they're going to make more hotel rooms where the field currently is. So, yeah, if you're a fan That's of the a bummer. Yeah, it is a bummer. So if you're a fan of the field burgers, get there while you can. I'm um, also kind of fun that it came over Rutgers, you know, yeah, geographic rival, I guess you could say so. Big win, and right now this is looking like an NCAA tournament team for the Nittany Lions. They're eleven and five. They don't really have any bad losses. Like they don't have any like Bucknell losses, like the men's program does. They've really only lost to ranked opponents. Either they're ranked now or ranked at the time when they played. So when they are losing, they're losing to quality opponents. So I, I do think they're going to be able to move their way up into the Big Ten. They're not super high in the Big Ten ranks right now, but I do think they have a nice opportunity to move up. If you'd like to check out the uh, Lady Lions, they are playing. We're recording on a Wednesday, and this pod will probably come out tomorrow. So tonight they're going to be playing on the Big Ten Network or at home if you're in Happy Valley against Purdue at 7 p.m. So if you want to watch from home or go in person to support the Lady Lions, I definitely encourage you to do that. And on Sunday... You can make it up to the Bryce Jordan Center. They're playing home versus Nebraska at 1 p.m. So you can check out Lady Lions two times in the upcoming week. All right. Very good. So I have a quick question regarding burgers at the field. Did they replace, did they formally re- replace the Shrews burger with the peanut butter? They did not. It's still on the think- menu? Re, re, oh, oh no no it's off the menu it's off the menu but they didn't put like a coach Rhodes burger in so field get on top of it this guy this man has beat ohio state he's beat michigan he's beat the number 11 ranked team in the country wisconsin which franklin did, did not do either of those three things this year and he has a burger get get mike Rhodes a burger <laughs> come on man yeah. <laughs> just call it like the roadie or something the roadie <laughs> Oh, it should be like a to-go burger that they should like have burgers to go or if they shut down, like just make them all roadies. Well, yeah, I mean, they should. I mean, do they have plans to just get a new restaurant location, like have the hotel be the hotel, but, you know, have your restaurant be its own separate thing? I, I think that's a possibility. I think they floated it out. Do you know the restaurant business in State College can be very competitive just because of the, the very high rents downtown. But if you were to have the field go to a location and you know they have the branding and the recognition, I'm, I'm sure they would get a lot of people there and they would do very well. Good stuff. So 
I think the the James Franklin mention is is a good segue here. So, I mean, obviously we lament on the things that Penn State wasn't able to accomplish on the football field, but James Franklin has been doing some things that are good as of late, most notably in the transfer portal. So let's use this as our as our segue here just to update listeners on what's been going on in the transfer portal. So what we had said during our last pod, which in true Nittany Blues fashion, as soon as we mentioned it on the pod, the next day <laughs> became official. And when we actually published the damn thing, it looked like we were behind the eight ball, but AJ Harris and Jalen Kimber made it official that they were joining the Nittany Lions, each transferring in from Georgia and Florida, respectively. So, you know, to a couple of really high profile cornerback transfer players addresses a huge area of need for Penn State with their top three corners going to the NFL draft this year. Huge, huge, you know, just big thing for for James Franklin and crew to lock down, you know, not only just from the filling an area of need standpoint, but also like the profile of the player standpoint, because with AJ Harris, that's three former five star prospects that James Franklin was able to pull from the transfer portal, which is like a, a an average like level of caliber that Penn State just hasn't been able to achieve, you know, both just in terms of recruiting out of high school and through the transfer portal as of yet. I think it was just kind of like a good sign that he and his staff were trying to be really aggressive in this uh, most recent cycle. They understood kind of the opportunity that existed out there with guys like Julian Fleming and Nolan Rucci and just, you know, knew kind of what buttons to press, the levers to pull and the pitches to make to land guys like AJ Harris when he probably had, you know, just just about every opportunity to go to any SEC school that he wanted to with him coming from SEC country out of high school. So some big things there. I mean, I know we we spoke about it pretty much ad nauseum during our last pod, but any thoughts on that, Vince? I think these are two slam dunk picks. You have guys who were highly recruited out of high school. You got guys with a lot of SEC experience going against some of the best wide receiver cores in the country, Alabama, LSU, so on and so forth. So I, I think this is a nice ad. And when you lose three guys to get at least two, I think is is really nice in, in terms of replacing depth and you know, brings a little competition in the room. And if I'm those guys, I think Penn State is a is a great place to go. You got Amani Warrior, Joey Porter Jr. You got three guys going to the NFL this year. And when you have a defensive line that has Hakeem Beeman and Devon Ellis coming back, that's that's really exciting, and then you got Dan, Deny Dennis Sutton. Like this is this defense is is coming together, and it, it's nice to see because heading into the off season, we definitely had some serious doubts. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Because we we I mean, obviously, we feel good about the depth and about the just the fullness of the group with guys like uh, Cam Miller and Zion Tracy, but having other guys coming in there, just an instant injection of talent and ability and experience in the case of Jalen Kimber with him being the starting corner from Florida, you can't really understate the impact that those moves can have. So that, that is huge. So, you know, while we're on this topic though, I think it's uh, kind of important to point out that it's quite possible and almost likely that Penn state is probably not done exploring the transfer portal as of yet because of some of the coaching dominoes that have fallen. The transfer portal has kind of opened up for some of those individual programs. So there's a little bit of wiggle room, a little bit of leeway in recruiting some of these players, even though the, I, I guess I'll call it the traditional portal has closed as of now. So, you know, there, there was a couple names that were floated out there 
that are listed in the portal right now, as well as on social media, which I thought were some interesting names to look at for Penn State, uh, especially some some names from Washington and Alabama. I want to list them off here for you, Vince. I want to get your thoughts. First one that I have here is uh, Parker Brailsford, the starting center from Washington. You know, he he kind of stu- stood out to me as a potential replacement for Hunter Norzad since uh, he is leaving the program. Obviously, I mean, national runner up, really solid offensive line. Tons of experience playing against high level opponents. Like, what more could you ask for with that? So, that's number one. Number two is uh, Caleb Downs. You know the the Caleb Williams of defensive backs, if you will, <laughs> in the transfer portal. He's a star uh, defensive back from Alabama, freshman All American. You know, this is a guy who literally. I mean, he's he's number one in the transfer portal rankings. He's listed as like a point nine 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 nine. As you know, as far as his rating is concerned, as a uh, transfer portal recruit. He can go anywhere he wants. There's no doubt about that. And I think it's probably a long shot for Penn State to actually land him. But I think go for it. <laughs> like shoot your shot. What What the hell? One thing that's of note that I saw earlier this evening is that the current favorites to land him are Ohio State and Georgia, which, you know, kind of makes sense. I, I kind of, you know, had a gut feeling that he'd probably stay in the SEC. He is from Georgia. So the Bulldogs do make sense from that standpoint. And obviously, I mean, Ohio State is, you know, they're, they're always plucking guys from the South too because they're Ohio State. And number three, Caden Proctor, offensive lineman from Alabama. This was a five-star kid. He chose to go to Alabama over his in-state Iowa. Iowa was gunning hard for this kid coming out of high school. I believe he, I don't know if he used up a year of eligibility this past season, but he's a former five-star recruit, kind of similar backstory to Nolan Rucci. Right now, Iowa is projected to be the favorite to land him out of the transfer portal. But, you know, given kind of the recent string of success that Penn State has had along the offensive line, especially at like the tackle position, I don't think it's really crazy for Penn State to extend that feeler to see what's going on. Because, I mean, I mean, we've got a top 10, top five pick in Olufashinu about to go to the NFL. And oh, by the way, Rashid Walker also played his ass off at tackle for the Green Bay Packers. So there's, and and he also got Juice Scruggs out there balling as well. So Penn State's quickly like kind of planting its roots a little bit along the offensive line in the, in the NFL. So not exactly a bad recruiting tool. So three names, Vince, uh, what do you think? I think those are great, especially the center from Washington. I think it was Ed Washington maybe was their, their corner and he had like a, a Facebook live thing. I think I shared it with you over Instagram and he was just like, yeah, we didn't even have a meeting or anything. And I think the players found out at the same time, everyone else did that wow. DeVore had taken the Alabama job, or at least that's what I got from, I think I saw it on bleacher report. That's just wild to me. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a raw deal, man. Like it's, it, it really does just suck because these these i mean like let's call them what they are like these are these are kids man like they're like they're young men but they're young Mm -hmm. and they're out there putting in every bit of effort all this work all this you know blood sweat and tears into the season into the preseason and training camp and all this stuff to make something really really magical happen and you know washington had the chance to do something that it hasn't done in you know, more than 30 years and all this stuff they had, they had a rare opportunity, like they had a special quarterback and all that stuff. And then, you know, all that was heard after the season was over or even before the season was over was that Washington and their, their athletic department was going to work on a long-term deal for Kalen DeBoer that was going to keep him at Washington for a long, long time. And then Nick Saban 
makes his announcement. And then less than 48 hours later, you learn that your coach who you probably thought was going to be there for the next five to eight years, at least is now on his way to Tuscaloosa like that. You know, I like in terms of like a player coach relationship, that's got to be about as big of a gut punch as there can possibly be. Yeah. If I'm, just a uh, head coach in general, like I would be stoked to be at the University of Washington. Like I've heard great things about the city of Seattle, like relatively good climate, like lots of things to do. You got the ocean right there. Like what well, the West Coast is beautiful, man. Like then you have to go from there to Alabama. Like I like money wise, if I was offered that, I think I would stay there. But if you look at you know Washington, I do think they were projected to lose a lot of their talent to the either the NFL or just graduation and players running out of eligibility. And maybe he just didn't want to rebuild the the program to keep it going. So, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I'd be curious to know, I'm sure that information is out there. We'd have to compare like what his, what his deal at Alabama is compared to like what he was making at, at Washington. I almost kind of view it as like a Brian Kelly going to LSU situation because he went you know, from Notre Dame, where Notre Dame was actually a higher ranked team at the time that he decided to go to LSU. But, you know, in terms of like facilities and resources and all these other things that maybe don't show up on, you know, the the official like contract and stuff like that, I'd, I'd imagine it's kind of hard to beat what Alabama has just given historically like what they've been able to achieve. Like, I, I understand that, you know, you're you're filling shoes that are just about as, as impossible to fill in any era, any arena in sports. But I mean, it's, it's Bama. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I heard dubs, the Huskies trying to transfer and the favorites, UConn after the war <laughs> <Lord> news. <laughs> nice. <laughs> However, in all seriousness, I do think Washington as a program will be fine. They, they picked up Arizona's head coach and Get honestly, fish. like, yep. I thought Arizona was just going to run the big 12 this upcoming year. Like they're a really good team. Like their only losses were like overtime losses to USC and Mississippi state. So when you have an overtime game, that's like a coin flip right there. And then they only lost to Washington by a touchdown. And I think this, this kind of like news is maybe not super surprising because I think Washington has put, historically put more money into the football program than Arizona has. I think they're kind of like Indiana where they focus a little more on basketball. So that does make a little bit of sense. And if you're in the big 12, that really the two big conferences are the big 10 and the sec now. Right. So the ACC, they had an undefeated champion get got kept out of the college football playoffs, the big 12, you have your two best teams, Texas and Oklahoma going out. So maybe they wanted, maybe he wanted the new challenge in the biggest conference and probably got more money as well to go from Arizona up to, you know, Husky Stadium there. So I think they'll be fine. I think they're going to get a lot of Arizona transfers and they're going to get right back on track and, and be one of the best teams in the Big Ten next year. So definitely a lot of interesting news. I would also love to get the court, like if we got three like stud corners, that would be awesome. I'd love to see Downs in a, in the blue and white and then you know proctor the tackle like, that would be awesome to get a guy like him i hope he doesn't go to iowa and like just block and score like nine points a game on offense like that would just 
<laughs> I don't know why do he'd want to go to the worst offense, but you know, Iowa's kind of like us. They've put out some good offensive line, you know, professionals in the NFL. So a lot of good linemen coming out of there. But what's more important, your your NFL draft stock or you know, playing in your home state, or do you want to play for you know potentially what could be a, a national title contender if, if Penn State can fix the passing offense and not that's abandon a, that's a- pretty big claim there Vince that's the thing like if you have a they got half of it figured out man like they they got a really solid defense the the thing is that the offense just needs to establish a a better identity and be more cognizant of what they're good at if you circle back to earlier in the podcast we're talking about Nick Curran I'm saying well he's not great at shooting threes but that's okay. He doesn't shoot a lot of threes. He right. does what he's good at. He scores around the basket, plays great defense, super athletic. He does what he's good at, right? And Penn State, that their yards per carry average is pretty good. Like, and you yep. saw Michigan. What do they do? They do what they're good at. And it even took them all the way to a national championship. Like, it's not that crazy hard. So you need to do figure out what your guys are are good at and put them in positions where they can be most successful. And when you get to this high level of football, you can't just run whatever plays you want and hope your talent wins out. You got, it just needs to be more intricate into the strengths of the players and where you can expose the other team. And I think Penn state really struggled with that this past year. We've talked about it at nauseum, just them abandoning the run. And especially when your wide receivers aren't, aren't getting open. Like I understand like if you get pass happy and you have Kondre Lambert Smith catching 40 yard bombs all over the place, but that wasn't happening. So I'm hoping Penn state can fix some areas there and maybe guys like Caden Proctor and you know, the center from Washington, Railsburg. maybe they can up Railsburg. Maybe they can help out and hopefully Julian Fleming and they can get some other guys in the portal at the wide receiver position and, Hopefully we can fix this offense and get it, get it running again. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe this is just me drinking the Kool-Aid a little prematurely, but I, I do feel good about what we've got coming in. There, there's a little like Joe Moore's head-esque like, effect happening, in, in my opinion, just, just in terms of like this being more of a, an innovative coordinator, a guy who is looking to find every single advantage that he can find like with the players and with the tools and the weapons that he has available. And so I, I feel good about what Penn State has going in. I mean, obviously we gotta like wait and see because nothing is guaranteed, especially in the off season before they even, you know, hit the field for I mean, we we just got done with the season, like pro football still going on. So it's just gonna be a bunch of speculation for several months here. But, you know, for me, the biggest things were just about like trying to adapt, you know, it's just, it's, it's less about like, for me, it was less about the overall scheme. I mean, there were definitely issues there, but the inability to adjust and adapt like within the game itself, I think was the biggest downfall of the offense because, you know, it just look at the, at the Ole Miss game. It's like they started running the ball early. It was working really well. And then after that first drive, Nick Singleton and Catron Allen barely touched the ball after that, even though it was working so nicely almost right away. And now granted, 
I get that Ole Miss probably like shifted their front to maybe shut down the run a little bit more effectively. But it's like, how many times can you trot out the quarterback and throw to a wide receiving core that just had not worked all season long, go three and out so many times over and over again and not think, hey, you know, maybe we should go back to being a bit more run happy. You know, that like those are the types of things that I think really needs to come back to the Penn State offense, just kind of leaning on like leaning on your best guys. It's like, maybe it's not going to work, but what if it does? <laughs> like, that's the question. Like, wh- what if it works and it's awesome? And, <laughs> and then you don't have to like ask Drew to like throw into a tiny window because the receiver is not, doesn't have any separation and stuff like that. Like, what if that happens, you know? So that, that that's what I'm hoping to see, but uh, we've got, we've got all season to talk about that, that sort of stuff. So I want to get your thoughts here on a couple of other. Can I, get, can, I, can I have one more thought here with like abandoning the run? Yes. You know, with Ole Miss kind of setting the front up that way. I think Troy Aikman was uh, commentating on the Eagles game, and he he said uh, said that Emmett Smith would not be the NFL leading rusher if we stopped running every time there were eight guys in the box. There I you think go. That was the comment <laughs> he said. So I think that's maybe something that needs to be said. Uh, you know, maybe the Eagles and Penn State because they kind of seem to be near images of each other on offense at well, times. I, I think there's a lot of things that need to be said to the Eagles to fix that that team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least Penn State has a good defense, man. Like at That's least keep us in it. Like, dude, like, if you, I, I'm if just you so surprised. Player, that, if you replace player for player the Penn State defense for the Eagles defense, I don't know. I don't think it'd be worse. The front. I was really surprised in the front four and. Just the front four's inability not to create more havoc. Because like at the beginning of the season, you saw like Jalen Carter and Josh Sweat, Hassan yeah. Reddick just wrecking havoc, and yep. it was like party sack at the quarterback, like meet at the car- quarterback, and then it just kind of plateaued off and kind of fizzled out over time. So I was really surprised by that. Now in the back end, I knew you know secondary was starting to look a little slow, and linebackers were getting injured and not having the Kobe Dean hurt, but. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't help when you have like a bunch of, you know, like future accountants and like salesmen at linebacker and one of and <laughs> Palmers, one of your starting corners. Electricians. Yeah. <laughs> and one of your starting corners take like just a freaking nosedive off a cliff in terms of his ability to play the position. But it's like, yeah, for like the front the front four, it's like the biggest indictment for me is the fact that the majority of your production there is coming from Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, two guys who have been with the <laughs> team forever and they're they're old. They're playing on limited snaps because they, they don't have the juice to like play the full game anymore. And so they have to cover for guys like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. I mean, Jalen Carter had a really great start to the season, kind of tailed off. But then you also have Sweat and, and Reddick, like you said, like these old guys are having to like pick up the slack for them. Like that's, that's a huge problem. And it, you know, it ultimately bit him in the ass. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It sucked to see Jason Kelsey go out that way. There's been some news he's retiring too. So sucks. His last game in the link is probably going to be at that three twelve loss to the Cardinals and potentially the same for like BG and Fletch. And they're just Eagles legends. Lane Johnson's getting up there in age. And it just really sucks. Cause like their window to win another Super Bowl was like closing very quickly. And, to see them start 10 and one and just not ever get better throughout the season and only get worse was just a bummer to see, but you know, we'll get back on task. We'll circle back to, you know, Penn state <laughs> football. I hope they really heavily utilize the the tight ends. I want to see like two tight ends on the field at all times. Almost like, 
you got to yeah. have those guys out there. And I want to see us be more of a, you know, physical run heavy team. I like, I don't, I don't care if they're maybe stacking the box a little bit. Like, I, I just want to see our, our, our good versus their good. Like just, you know, if you, you can't stop the run all the time, like worst case scenario, they should against these eight man fronts, maybe be able to run like three yards of carry like two, three yards. And that's okay. Those plays are okay in the game because over a course of time, you know, you can wear the defense down and then maybe Nick breaks one and you get some explosive plays that way. So that's something I'd like to see. Will Kotelnicki implement that in the offense? Only time is going to tell. We'll find out Labor Day weekend. Yep. Remains to be seen. But yeah, I think it'd be good to kind of chat a little bit about some other stuff that's been uh, going on in the transfer portal and around college football as far as uh, like guys like making their decision to transfer, to stay, to go to the NFL, etc. So we're going to see another Tagovailoa in the NFL very soon after Talia's, I guess, what what would it have been? Like it was like a plea to the, to the NCAA to grant him another year of eligibility. He was not granted that year, so he is going to be entering the NFL draft. So I think in my mind, it would be hilarious if he went to the Dolphins. And so the starter and the backup were both Tagovailoa. <laughs> um, so just uh, from a personal note, I want to see that. Oh, and then you have like a trick play with two quarterbacks and it's like Tagovailoa to Tagovailoa. Yeah, there you go. And it just just see how quickly or how how much time it takes for the announcer to get like tongue twisted by saying that a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun. All right, so we've also got Quinshawn Judkins. He made he made some waves entering the transfer portal very shortly after Ole Miss won the Peach Bowl over Penn State. Tremendous running back, uh, leading rusher for that team. And Ole Miss was really getting set to be stacked for next season for what could potentially be a college football playoff run. And if the, you know, the cards fell their way, a potential SEC championship and a national championship attempt. So he made pretty big waves when he announced that he was going to Ohio State out of the transfer portal. So that was that was pretty big for a number of reasons. I mean, obviously, he's a very tremendously talented back in of his own right. But Ohio State also is getting back Trevion Henderson for next season after he announced that he is coming back. So it looks like Ohio State is kind of creating their own two-headed monster similar to what Michigan had last season in Corum and Edwards. So not only are they going to have a really solid group of receivers again, the those running backs are, are looking nasty. Yeah, that's a something that's going to make all the Big Ten teams very scared. He had a nice game against Penn State, and I'm really surprised to see him leave Ole Miss because they finished their season on a high note. You have Nick Saban leaving Alabama. Georgia looks beatable now. I mean, not against Florida State, but you saw Alabama beat them in the SEC championship. And Ole Miss was like one of the, the best teams just picking up boatloads of talented players in the portal. And it looked like they were having an arms race to compete with Georgia and Alabama. And to see a guy like that leave is very shocking, in my opinion. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. And on that note as well, I mean, Ohio State is, they are losing Marvin Harrison Jr. to the NFL, which I don't think it comes as like a huge shock. I mean, when you're, when your draft stock is like top three, it's like no matter how much you want to beat a, a certain team in college, like it's really hard to pass that up. But they are getting back Amika Buka. They're getting back, I believe Denzel Burke is also coming back in the defensive backfield. So if, if they manage to like, they have him. And then if they also Caleb Downs at safety from Alabama, like that'd be crazy. 
JT Tuimaloao, who Penn State fans should know very well for his mm-hmm. uh, destructive efforts against the Nittany Lions over the past two seasons. He's also coming back, even though he was projected as a first round pick. So Ohio State, I don't know like what kind of black magic Ryan Day has conjured up um, in the form of a pitch to his current players, but like everybody's coming back. <laughs> That's and it's and it's wild. It's absolutely wild. And also their other their other defensive end, Sawyer, he's also coming back. He could have gone to the NFL this this season as well. So, you know, top three, top five defense, uh, a lot of those pieces coming back and on offense, I mean, it's kind of funny. Like they're they're going to be absolutely loaded, and the biggest question mark is going to be the quarterback again. <laughs> Man, that just it sucks to see it because I feel like all oh, of our actually, no, I forgot they're getting the K State quarterback, Will Howard. Yeah, yep, yeah. So he's he's their quarterback, and he's going to have a like a, a smorgasbord of of talent and weapons to distribute the ball to. Yeah, so that's uh. Gonna be interesting. That's that's for sure. It is frustrating because I feel like just about every player who could declare for the draft did for Penn State, with the exception of Tyler Warren and Hakeem Beeman, Devon Ellis. So kind of stinks that you know Ohio State has first round guys coming back, and our first round guys are going. So it's a little little tough a tough pill to swallow. But hey, we got them in Beaver Stadium next year, so. That's we'll uh, one thing the Nittany Lions have going for them. You want to know what my, like what I think is going on behind the scenes with that? I think that on top of their ability to pull some of these guys out of the transfer portal, there's a huge, huge NIL mm-hmm. reason behind that. You I know? think so too. I think so, money is making guys like Judkins go there and play. I think it's making players stay like Marvin Harrison Jr. considered staying just because of the NIL deal. and Which is wild. Because he's it, going to make just enormous amounts of money. Yeah, and we might have to ask Fred and and your your dad this. I saw in in the Penn State Facebook group that they released like season deposits or something. Like oh, the I prices, the prices yeah. went up significantly for the tickets. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be and like they they were saying like oh even people who live in state college like might be like priced out of season tickets. So wild, definitely. Not great news for your state college residents who love going to the games every weekend. <laughs> Me. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, and especially too, you know, just beyond like just the pure monetary aspect, it's like you're I mean, we're we're gonna go back to a point that we made several episodes ago, but like what Franklin and the team and the program have asked fans to do is consistently show up for games every week like cheer your ass off, be energetic, be loud and do all that stuff. And you did that. You got the scheduled losses as you always do against Ohio state and Michigan. And what do you get in return? Higher ticket prices. <laughs> yeah, that's uh wow. That's what we get. We, we all show up. They, they don't perform against the big opponents and yep. And we get higher ticket prices. So <laughs> seems about right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, cool. So yeah, the only other big notes that I have here, Isaiah Bond deciding to leave Alabama after being their leading receiver. He has made the declaration that he is going to go to Texas. I thought this one was a little interesting because um, he beat him last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, th- I'm sure there is something there. I think more so like what I was thinking about 
in terms of this move was the fact that, you know, if there's a position group that Kalen DeBoer has a proven track record of maximizing and just utilizing the crap out of in his offensive scheme, it's the wide receivers. So, you know, Alabama was not this, you know, passing machine like they were in previous seasons, you know, going back even to like Mac Jones and stuff like that, where they were just slinging the ball left and right. And they were just unstoppable through the air. You know, Bond was, he he was a really good receiver, obviously being their, their leading receiver, but he didn't put up like Romo Dunze numbers and stuff like that. So knowing kind of what DeBoer likes to do with the wide receivers and still kind of making that quick move to like get out of Tuscaloosa and go over to Austin, I thought was uh, a little interesting, but yeah. So that was, uh, that was like the big, like, mover and shaker from that from that group for Alabama because I'm pretty sure Milrow is like staying put I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of other guys who are you know staying put on for Alabama especially like from the the starting point of view at least on offense I'm curious if Texas is maybe able to to put together maybe a better NIL package maybe Um, they're like yeah they're up there with like you know Ohio State and they're like Georgia, yeah. Alabama, like they're, they're up monetary there. support. Like I would be willing to bet they're number one. Yeah. So maybe that plays a part of it. Maybe wanting to play with Quinn Ewers over Jalen Milrow. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I mean, I, I think Ewers is better. So yeah, maybe I mean, more of a uh, traditional pocket passer he wants to work with. I guess. Yeah. But I, I'm also like not super impressed by Ewers. I don't so know. He looks, he laughing. looks good. He looked good in that Texas Bama game early in the season, and he, I know he, he, he was dealing with he was dealing with injuries too. Was he okay? I, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, yeah, because so, I think they lost to didn't they lose to? Oh no, they lost to Oklahoma. Right. I thought they almost lost to somebody. Maybe not. Maybe he didn't get hurt. Who knows? Who knows? Well, he did get hurt. Okay. Yeah. He's yeah. He he was dealing with injuries throughout the season, so maybe that impacted his game. It could. Yeah. It it could have affected him down the stretch. You're right. So, you know, it, it, maybe it's not totally fair to, to, you know, judge him in a vacuum for throwing picks against Washington and stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. So we've talked a lot here about the transfer portal. Got anything else there, Vince, uh, before we move on to some coaching change news? Yeah. Hit me up with the coaches. Let's do it. Yeah. So the biggest news, Penn State was not, in fact, done replacing coordinators and main key members of the coaching staff after replacing their offensive coordinator, their defensive coordinator, because in fact, they also needed to find a new special teams coordinator because the news that came out of state college recently was Stacy Collins, the former special teams coordinator for the Nittany Lions decided to move to the same position for Boise state, which for him kind of seemed like a, a move that made sense because he did come from Boise state to Penn state. And so he's going back to a program that he has a familiarity with. I don't know the full history of him and the and their their program, but either way, Penn State got two really good years of special teams from from Coach Collins. So I got to thank him for for his service there. Really, special teams to me really didn't seem like it was a kind of like a, a weak spot like we've seen it be for Penn State in years past. So agreed. So that was uh, you know kind of kind of good just to you know have that be buttoned down and just not something that we have to worry about each time that the ball is kicked and stuff like that. So, so that was, that was cool. But uh, uh, Penn State didn't really waste too much time in filling his shoes because they 
funny enough, dipped back into the Vanderbilt poll to get another coach and brought in Justin Lustig, who was the special teams coordinator for the Commodores. He is coming back. We're not coming back. He's coming to Penn State to be the special teams coordinator. He's also slated to have a hand in coaching responsibilities for outside linebackers and nickel corner. So he's going to have a couple of different responsibilities on top of the special teams. Not sure if that has like a direct correlation like with special teams and what he's going to be doing there, but just a couple of little fun facts. Uh, He's a PA native. He's originally from Erie. So another PA guy, kind of like Franklin, and he played his college football at Bucknell Bison right up the road from us. Bucknell. That's right. So what do you think, Vince? Any, any thoughts on coach Lustig? Really haven't been paying too much attention to Vanderbilt football, but <laughs> they 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 punt a lot. So they're not very good, so they're probably punting a lot. So there you go. <laughs> I'm guessing they have a lot of snaps and experience. So I I don't know. That's that's my thoughts. Like he has lots of repetitions and experience. There you go. Yeah, there, I, I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. Like look at look at Iowa's special teams. Like yeah. That's true. Could have snagged their special teams coordinator. (laughs) Right. Man, isn't that crazy to think that like Vanderbilt is in the same conference as Georgia and Alabama? It's it's wild. They they were okay when Franklin was there, but they've gone downhill since he's left. Yeah, they beat beat Tennessee a couple of times. And what was it? It was Derek Mason who was at Stanford at the time, I think as like their offensive coordinator or their defensive coordinator, I forget, took over for Vanderbilt and, you know, Skip Bayless being the the ever eclectic source of information that he was predicted that he was going to have more success at Vanderbilt than James Franklin would have at Penn State. And, you know, even though we're not 100% satisfied with, you know, how things have turned out with Franklin, I think we can all you uh, unanimously agree that he's done a better job at Penn State than, than Mason ever did at Vanderbilt. Yeah, in total agreement there. As much as Penn State fans will rag on Franklin, better than most head coaches in the NCAA. Yep, 100%. So that's uh, all I got there. You got anything else on coaching changes or do you want to talk some other sports? Yeah, let's talk a uh, track. So we had the Nittany Lion Challenge, I think, this weekend. They have a bunch of different indoor meets. Got to run in it. Oh, cool. Okay. Got to run in it. Came very close to going sub 430 in the mile. I did win. And I was like low-key pissed because I I, I crossed the finish line, right? And like the clock like stopped at like 429, 9 to 5. I'm like, all right, that's my time. I look at the board and like the FAT time's like 430.23. And I'm 30 years old this year doing the, the track meets. So I was like, okay, it'd be cool to like be sub 430 for one more year and see how long I can keep on doing it. So just missed out barely. Maybe I should have uh, took the lead and started kicking a little sooner, but is what it is. Happy with the performance. I was a few seconds faster than last year at the time. I think I ran 433 or 434. So ahead of pace. So Hopefully that's a good sign. Good Something for you. To be ha- Thanks, man. I was pretty happy with it. And then another good sign, Penn State got some fast runners as well. Their fastest guy ran a 404 mile. That was like booking. And that was, a, that was a wild race too because the Georgetown guy was trying to run sub four minutes. Like he had a pacer taken through the 
800 and under two minutes. Like he was way ahead of everyone else, but Holy he crap. started, he started to tighten up and actually, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, they had like four guys at one of the Penn state meets go sub four. And that was like, awesome. Like just seeing like a bunch of guys go sub four minutes. Like it was, it was crazy. That's disgusting. All, all college. Like I had to like, I just don't have the leg speed for that, man. Like my 400 PR is was like 54 seconds. I ran it like once in a freshman, sophomore meet in high school. <laughs> like that's a, that. Like I, I couldn't go faster than that. Like that's like probably my top end speed there. But somebody who does have a better 400 PR than me is Chikna Triore, Penn State. Ran the NCAA number one time in the country. 46.5 seconds for 400 meters. So wow. he's a he's a full eight seconds faster than than me. So That's this guy's so freaking fast. So fast across the legs of the 400. And then Haley Kitchen set the number one time in the NCAA for the 1,000 meter. Her time was at two minutes and 42 seconds. So she has the number one time in the country for that. That's not an event that's contested at like the Big Ten Championship or NCAA Championship. She's primarily an 800-meter runner. But definitely really cool to, to be number one in the country in something because uh, yeah. the 1,000 is not something that is typically run. I know I I haven't raced it, actually. So I, that is a distance. I'm curious like how fast I could go. But from in terms of practice, we would sometimes have 1,000-meter repeats. And like I just remember like hating it like it being my least favorite like i loved like 400 repeats 800s mile repeats like i was like give me that stuff all day like even 2k repeats but like the 1k it was just like the 800 but like you do that same pace for longer so like the 800 such like an all-out sprint like the whole time and you're just like hanging off for dear life trying not to slow down and i i've been told like the thousand is like an 800, but you're just hanging on longer. So kind of happy. I didn't have to run that one. I'm, I'm happy sticking with the mile. <laughs> well, very good. Yeah. I'm, I'm also happy to stick with the mile, you know, cause I've also, you know, like <laughs> even though I've had some morbid curiosity about how fast I could run a thousand meters each time I think about it, I just say, no, I'm not very good at running and I don't quite enjoy it. So I'll stick, I'll stick to my racket and paddle sports. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, sticking with pickleball. Pickleball yeah, is so much fun, though. It's a it's a great sport. It's a blast. Cool, man. Good for you. I'm I'm happy for you. That's uh that's a big accomplishment. So maybe do you think you'll be running in more of these like Penn State slash State College based competitions more often, or will you be sticking more to like your like half Ironmans? Like, what's the future like? Yeah, so the the future, uh, definitely the mile series. I did all three meets last year. So granted, I don't get like sick or anything over the next couple of weeks. Plan to do those two races. The one is the 26th. That's a Friday race. And then February 3rd is a Saturday. They have a, a mile and a 3K. So you have to do two two for one in that meet. I always do terrible in the 3K though, because like after the mile, I'm just gassed and like tired. And some people run it fresh the 3k so like i can't hang with those guys but it's a good workout for training unfortunately not going to be doing the the half ironman this year i have something more important going on that weekend 
I bet you can guess what it is. Yeah, I, I think if, <laughs> yeah, I'll, if I had to guess, I think I could. So your your omission of or you know your your self exclusion from said event is, is appreciated. I'll yes. just say that. Of course, of course. Yeah. So yeah, I'll do like whatever races are in the area and whatever races I can afford. Like I just put, I'm like, I'm about to put down a down payment on a house. So the bank account is going to be very, very low. <laughs> so right. if you're, if you're looking to support the pod, I want to donate to your, your favorite Penn state football host. Like donations are very much appreciated. <laughs> Fund Vince's new house. <laughs> so yeah, whatever races can fit the schedule. And also I have a, I'm going to be managing a poll this summer. So I'm going to be there a lot. And, you know, it, if something comes up, I might not be able to go to a race I'd like to on a weekend. So hoping to do a couple tries, maybe some gravel bike races. We have a lot of great gravel bike races that are close to state college. Maybe blue white weekend. I might do the Beaver stadium run potentially maybe the arts fest race. I might do a race. Fourth okay, fest. So- I, I know I have to work on the 4th of July, but maybe I'll do like the four fest fourth fest 4k in the morning before the poll opens so okay yeah so still some a lot options of stuff out there yeah, yeah got options good so. stuff sweet you got anything else on on track not track but we do have some fast swimmers emma harvey set the bermudian record in the 100 meter i forgot where her time was i'm trying to find it on instagram here i think it was can't find it oh here it is 55. Nine zero seconds. So wow, Bermudian national record. We got on the Penn State swim team. Also, the swim team had a nice win over Army. Both the men's and women's squads beat them. So good start for you know the swimming team and the Aqua Lions. The Aqua Lions. There we go. Yeah, mo- most lions are not very good at swimming, but these ones are. So yeah. cool. Good for them. I, I I just had that in my arsenal because that's what they call the, like the local YMCA swim teams. They all have like Aqua okay. Lion caps. So. I like it. Yeah. It's a cool. Good name. Yeah. Call, call them like the, well, I guess Aqua Lions is pretty good, but uh, it is like the, the swimming lions. Like, is that, is that too close? Is that close enough to like Nittany Lions to be kind of like their moniker or I don't know. Aqua Lions is still pretty sick. So we'll just stick yeah. with that. Aqua Lions is a pretty cool mascot. Like it is. It, it fits very well, especially if it's like a swimming specific team. Like that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Cool. So other news that we've got here talking, talking about like teams doing really things really well. Uh, let's talk about wrestling for a second because wrestling just continued to do wrestling things for Penn State. They opened up their Big Ten season against Indiana and blew their doors off. They won the duel 46 to nothing. Tons of highlights in here. I mean, we could literally talk about every single bout, but couple of things I want to shout out here. Braden Davis, first of all, continuing to have a really impressive freshman season at 125. That was an area that Penn State wasn't entirely sure who they were going to turn to, but this kid is continuing to produce results. He is, you know, wrestling at a really high level, including a couple of wins over some ranked opponents. So, you know, just another feather in Kale Sanderson's cap in that regard. Also had some really impressive performances by other freshmen, including Tyler Kasich and Mitchell Mesenbrink at 149 and 165 pounds, respectively. So, you know, just a bunch of young guys stepping up for Penn State in addition to the established veterans like Aaron Brooks, Carter Starachi, and and Kirk Vliet, who all I'm 
if I had to remember correctly, all won their bouts by tech fall. So just absolute domination. There were there were five tech falls in total across all the different weight classes, which almost makes up half of the the meat. So, <laughs> I mean, just talk about like an, a solid gold ass kicking. So that was really cool. And on top of all that, the team did not give up a single takedown in the entire match. So, you know, top to bottom, Penn State Wrestling, after they went to Oregon State, had a really strong showing there, just opened up Big Ten play with, with a total can. That's awesome, man. Quick question for you. Do you think Kirk Fleet would be a good lineman for Penn State? We saw uh, Seals Grove alumni Spencer Myers wrestle for four years and then play a year of football and did pretty well. Actually had a, a short career on the in the arena, arena football league. I think he played for the Los Angeles Kiss and maybe a couple of other teams. He might have been on the Philadelphia Soul for like a little bit too right you, you think he would, he would be a good pass rusher or maybe you know tackle on the end maybe i'm trying to see how heavy he is because he wrestles at he wrestles at heavyweight so that he doesn't have like he like so he has to be game. under 285 for heavy right so i mean if he i mean if he really wanted to maybe he could be a halfway halfway decent edge rusher you know he's obviously good at leverage and technique and getting lower than the other guy and bending his body to get into you know strategic position and stuff like that so maybe i don't know what his his football background is but you know for guys like that a lot of them do play football to some degree so i'd be i'd be curious to see but i mean he he's a wrecking ball at heavyweight this this season i mean the fact that there's no mason paris this season i mean he's number one for a reason now looking like the clear favorite at that weight class so we'll we'll see what the rest of the season has in store. But I mean, it's like they have a they have like a hydra of talent between Sirachi, Brooks, and Kirk Fleet that they can almost always rely on. Yeah. We should just make it like a shirt that says like a, that's our next Nittany Blue shirt, just says heavyweights on it or something. <laughs> nice. That'd be pretty yeah, we cool. Could, we could do and something then, like that. And maybe have like all the weight classes like two eighty five and one seventy one, one ninety, whatever the weight classes are. Calling the wrestling lions, wrestling, yeah, with uh, oh. not, without the G, just like the the N and the apostrophe, wrestling, wrestling, love <laughs> it. Yeah. Now, the other sports that have done well, uh, men's gymnastics, they won. They're open at Army, so that's another victory yep. over Army. We're we're doing good. We're beating the Army. That's <laughs> not sure if that's a good thing, but I, I would agree. <laughs> yeah, so. Got wins there. And then also the women's gymnastics team, they had a, a home meet. They upset number 21, Iowa State, by about half of a point. I think th- it's crazy. Those meets are like, I don't understand gymnastics very well. Like, I know how they're graded and stuff. But if I were to watch a gymnastics meet, I'd be like, wow, all these women are crazy athletic and amazing. Like, that's Insane. just like how I yeah. like, but I can't, I can't point and be like, wow, she's like, She's better than like Simone Biles. Or like I, I can't tell you why Simone Biles is the best. Like I, I just see like so many great athletes like her doing all these incredible things. So to my eye, I, I don't know the difference, but I'm I'm sure like your hardcore gymnastics crowd does. So yeah. that was a a nice win. I I think I I heard Iowa State one of their girls like fell on the balance beam. That's where they lost like a lot of the points. So. I think that can contributed to to the upset. Rough weekend for hockey. It was good for most sports, but hockey got swept by Michigan State on the men's side. On the women's side, they they beat RIT four to nothing on Friday night, but then lost in overtime three to two on Saturday. So they split their series. Coming up, we we talked about women's basketball at home. 
versus Purdue. And then on Friday night in the Valley, we got women's ice hockey versus Syracuse. Wrestling is going to be heading to Ann Arbor on Friday, followed by a bout at Michigan State on Sunday. Women's gymnastics will be in rec hall against number 16, Michigan State. So if you're a gymnastics fan, definitely go check that out if you're in the Valley. Men's volleyball is going to be in Austin. They're going to be playing Stanford. Men's ice hockey is going to be on the road this weekend at Notre Dame for a two-game series. Men's track and field is going to be in Ann Arbor at Michigan as well. Swimming and diving this weekend is heading down to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech. Women's tennis is going to be in Lexington playing the Wildcats at Kentucky. Men's lacrosse has a scrimmage. It's going to be home at noon versus Bucknell. Men's basketball, like we talked about, is heading on the road to try to sweep Ohio State in men's basketball. Women's hockey, they'll be playing at 2 p.m. in Happy Valley as well on Saturday. Gymnastics will be at Navy. So we beat the Army. Let's see if we can beat the Navy in in (laughs) men's gymnastics. And then men's volleyball will also be playing UCLA in Texas as well. So taking on some of those Pac-12 teams. Well, they're still the Pac-12. And then on Sunday, we also have, in addition to Michigan State wrestling, women's basketball is going to be home versus Nebraska. And men's tennis is going to be facing off against Cleveland State and University Park. So there you go, Andrew. You can make the trip up and check out the tennis team. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) So a lot of fun stuff happening this weekend. So if you're in the Valley, check check some of our teams out. Yeah, it seems like a good weekend to do it. Yeah, so I got just a couple of more updates here to share. One that's fun and one that's not so fun. So let's start with the one that's fun and we'll we'll end on maybe the one that's not so fun. So for women's soccer, you know, even though we're, we're pretty far removed from their season, uh, they had a couple of really exciting updates come from the program. They had five players drafted in the NWSL draft, which is the, you know, the, the, Pro Women's Soccer League in America. So having five players drafted, that's a program record for Penn State. So on top of a really successful season for the Nittany Lions uh, this past this past fall, you know, really it, the proof is in the pudding there. Lots of players going pro from the Nittany Lions. So that was really neat. And on top of that, very recently within the past day or two, they announced three transfer players who are going to be joining the program here in Ginger Fontenot. Jordan Fusco and Kaylee Herr. So, you know, similar to some other programs that we talked about, even on this very episode, there's a you know, nice injection of talent coming. Yeah, I think so. And I like one of the things I, I wish I was retired so that I could see more of like the soccer games and like field hockey and stuff like that. Like I just love 30 sports. years old and talking about retirement, man. Like <laughs> I love yeah. it. Well, that's the thing though. Like I work like 10 hours a day and then I, I get my workout in after work. And I'm like, I, I can't like, like if if it's nice, I want to like ride my bike after work. And yep. You know, some of these awesome events I miss out on, like I can't catch them all. So, you know, my, my health and fitness is definitely the, the first priority. And I, so that forces me to kind of prioritize the sports, but yeah, if you're in the Valley and you know, want to check out like women's hockey, like that, that's going to be awesome. You know, you got you know, the other ones we talked about. So that's just, there's always something going on in the Valley. Yeah. I'll, I'll end it there. Yeah. Agreed. So the last update that I have here is uh, coming from the volleyball program. So this kind of uh, covers the men and women side of things. So Penn State did announce, sadly, that Tom Tate, 
passed away at the age of 86. And Mr. Tate is very important for Penn State volleyball as he's known as the father of Penn State volleyball. He was the first varsity coach, men's and women's volleyball. He won several league titles while he was the coach of the Nittany Lions. He reached the national championship match in 1984. And he passed away today at the age of, or not today, very recently at the age of 86. So our thoughts are with him and his family. And, you know, one thing I, I think, you know, the best way to kind of remember like his accomplishments at Penn State, even though that's probably a name that either one of us were familiar with or a lot of people who are fans of Penn State sporting community may be familiar with is that, you know, his legacy in terms of football is that there those two programs now consistently produce teams that are among the nation's best, have won several national championships among both of them, and just are well equipped to excel into the distant future. So just want to, you know, make sure we mention that as well. Volleyball is a, pro, is a sport that is taken very seriously at Penn State, and Tom Tate had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. We want to thank you for all your contributions and passion towards Penn State volleyball and Penn State University. And I, I hope the the men's volleyball team really uses that as motivation for the rest of the season. They're off to a really nice start. I, I don't think we really talked too much about them, but they started off 4-0, including a, a five-set win over number 16 Lewis University. So they got a tough gauntlet here with you know Stanford, UCLA, and then they're going at Ohio State on Thursday, 25th. And then they'll be home at 3 p.m. 28th versus the Buckeyes again. So back-to-back against the Buckeyes. So really tough schedule coming up and hoping that this can give them some inspiration to, to play in his honor. We'll see. But yeah, tough, tough slate of games. But wanted to make sure that we included that in our list of updates here as well. So I'll stop, uh, you know, with... Uh, Maybe maybe some of the more or less exciting updates that we have here on this pod. Vince, you got anything else here? We've covered a lot here. Do you got any other updates that you wanted to uh, talk about? Yeah, I think we can put a ball on this one. Thank you guys, as always. Starts with I love you, ends with I love you. Thank you guys for listening, <laughs> as always. Stealing a quote out of Coach Franklin's book there. Yep. If you want to support the show, subscribe, give us a five-star review. It really does on help. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, tell a friend. The more people, more Penn State fans we get in here, the better listening to the show. So please spread the word. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere where podcasts can be found. If you want to help, you can donate. You can go to the merchandise store, get yourself some nice Nittany Blues apparel. I wear it myself. I love it. No bias. Super comfortable. Super comfortable too. So got great apparel in the store if you want to help us out. And thank you guys, as always, for listening. We want to remind you that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. We'll see you next time.